This is Lori Forrester, the wine coach with The Sipping Point, and I'm here with Andrew Zimmern from Bazaar Foods on the Travel Channel. You don't look that bizarre. You look pretty nice. Pretty pretty tame. Pretty tame. Haven't eaten anyone yet today. (laughs) Perfect. Well, I knew this was going to be a fun interview. Thanks for taking the time. And I thought you could just tell us, you know, there are probably tons and tons of chefs out there Mm -hmm. would love their own TV show. You have a very unique show, unique take. How did that all come about? Uh, because I had a unique idea with a unique take. Um, Perfect. It's really, really hard. Uh, I mean, television is right place, right time. And quite frankly, I'd been pitching the show to everyone who could possibly uh, take a meeting with me. And everyone said, no, 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 until finally I annoyed Travel Channel enough that they said, go make a five-minute version. They liked that. We made a 10-minute version. Then they said, okay, go make a pilot. And we did two pilots, one for a sports food show called... um, uh, ballpark Foods, and then the other one was uh, Bizarre Foods. And it, Great. It, you know, the when I was young, I, I knew I wanted to be in the food business, knew I wanted to be a chef, and I started working in kitchens when I was 14 years old. I went to college, and I sat in day one, class one was an art history class, and the the professor, Madame Koretsky, was, you know, dissecting every aspect of 16th century Northern European life by looking at a painting. Oh I couldn't believe what she was able to see in what, would, to me, was just a very simple portrait of a woman standing by a window. But the fact of the matter was that she even, I, I didn't, I, I saw a fruit bowl behind her on the table. I, I didn't put two and two together that, you know, bananas don't grow in Holland. So the, mm. it had to come from somewhere. And so the story of trade and commerce and the position and status of the family and all this kind of stuff um, was something that she was so adept at looking at. And it dawned on me, having traveled with my father all over the world and eating, he's one of the world's great traveling gourmands. Um, food is great. Food with a story is even better. Food mm-hmm. with a story people hadn't heard about is best of all. Nice. Those stories are best found at the fringes of society. They're not front and center. So over the course of the next, you know, 19, 20 years of my professional chef life, I tried to tell stories to my staff and engage customers on looking at food in a different way. So when I finally had the opportunity to do a show on Travel Channel, um, I pitched them on what my lifestyle was. I... I I live my brand, so to speak. That's great. And so few people realize in in the television space, I'm not interested in being the host of a program. Uh, to me, that's you know that's a that's a miserable job to have. You have to pretend to like something. You know, you got to pretend to like hosting a competition. Show. I mean, it's just like I, I just don't get it. Mm. Um, you know, great chefs want to you know inspire people to cook, and will do you know. Uh, you know, uh, behind a cutting board type of show. Um, I like to engage people on the idea that um, nothing can change the human condition and human behavior more than traveling. Mm, you put I yourself agree. in position to to um, to learn and adapt and try new things, and I think it's a magical experience. And when I started merging my ideas about interpreting culture through food with the transformative nature of travel, I came up with a very, very serious show. And they said to me, that's great. It'll be on PBS. You'll get six, you know, limited run episodes and then you're done. And they said, but if you do 80% entertainment because you're a funny, (laughs) nice guy and 20% serious message, it might work. So I had the opportunity to do the show. What you can never count on. There are so many great shows that come out here, and then the next thing you know, they're rele- relegated to the dustbin of TVdom. 
um, I was very lucky. People responded to it and they want to go with me somewhere every week. And that's the greatest gift. I mean, that that's not my doing. That's the audience that's awesome. uh, responding. So I'm, I'm the luckiest guy in the whole world that people want to do it. And then, I mean, the fact that we've been on, you know, we've made 120 episodes by the time this airs and we, you know... <laughs> we've won awards and we're just we're successful and we've Love been it. on six seven years now and i'm i'm stunned i'm happy awesome and i for me because wine is my yeah. thing i think you can travel by glass and mm-hmm. that inspires me to learn about other yeah. places even yeah. better when you go so i sure. love that sure. you do this that food is seen the same way sure but so if you, wine didn't get you drunk no one would drink it <laughs> it does taste good i love saying that to wine people. <laughs> Well, I mean, the, you know, there's something in there. There is something in there, you know? <laughs> Perfect. Well, speaking of something in there, yep. you're one of the featured speakers here yep. at the 30th Annual yep. Food and Wine Classic. Yep. And your seminar was called Game On. Sure, sure. And at first I thought maybe it was a game show. But no, you're featuring unique <laughs> Yeah, I did games. elk and antelope and venison heart and a whole bunch of things. Um, our food system in this country is so messed up. It's it we've we've destroyed it, and the two ways that we've destroyed it, really the primary way, is by overindulging in a very small, narrow field of choices. As I've traveled around the world for the last thirty years, and especially in making the show, I've had the opportunity to access cultures and people and see how deep and broad the world of food is. If we can in- infect the rest of our population with that enthusiasm for new and different. Um, even if we just take the, the, the 10% of the pressure off of our commoditized food system, we could radically change the face of health and wellness and dining in this country. The idea of eating alternative proteins, which mm-hmm. game represents, going meatless once a week, all the other, you know, just eating small little fish with the heads on occasionally, you know, and not just <laughs> eating tuna, salmon, and shrimp all the time, um, would would do so much for fixing our food problem here in this country. I'm also an outdoorsman. Um, I love being outdoors. I think the lessons that can be learned about conservation and uh, environmental sustainability by spending time outdoors is something I encourage everyone to do. So to marry all those ideas up together, to me, was the perfect thing to do here for the 30th. That's great. Yeah. And and I think, you know, we traveled to Australia, for instance, and we loved having kangaroo. Sure. Um, or ostrich and other yeah. places, you know. But for many people, it seems it's a mental, like, block. You know, I, I would take people on tours to Italy, and they're like, oh, a rabbit, it's Thumper. Uh, how do you get around the mental aspect of people not wanting to eat an animal that they see in a, a pet way, I guess? Um. <laughs> We, we have a psychological predisposition to not want to eat certain foods because of the messages that our, 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 our culture sends us. When the bats are frying in the bowl, in the pot, in uh, tribal Thailand, the first people to run to the pot are the little kids. They don't know about vampire culture, Halloween, or the message, ooh, they're dirty, and, you know, the ones in America, for the most part, are. Um... But the cultural messaging is what tells us something is is yucky or gross. Parents do a horrific job. I, I mean, look, I'm a dad. Being a parent is the hardest job in the whole world. My son did yeah. not come with an instruction manual. Mm-hmm. However, 
you have to be concerned about your children's eating life and you have to open them up to new ideas. And that means setting an example for young kids. By the time they're a year old, they've heard mom and dad say a thousand times, oh, that's gross. Oh, that's yuck. Oh, disgusting. You know, we're mm. giving them the wrong message. True. One of the great things about my show for families to watch together is the message that we encode in every scene that we do about acceptance, about um, the 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 primacy of patience and understanding stuff stuff that's gone out of favor in this world and i think that if we can accept what people eat which is i think easier than accepting a lot of other things because we all love food right then we can accept the color of their skin their language their political values their spiritual system all the rest of that so we have a pretty serious message in there mm-hmm. shrouded in our entertainment and they're really fun yeah, yeah. so i mean look it, it's psychological and basically what i do is i shame my friends it, you know it's like <laughs> and it's really delicious you know right I mean, roasting a rabbit with lemon and olive oil you know in a covered pot the traditional old world french way is one of the truly great dishes in the world i mean i don't know why people wouldn't want to eat that absolutely well yeah. i mean that's what's and people are all liars people you know, there's not a lot of people keeping bunnies as pets i mean they're just you know <laughs> You know, they got to forget about all those children's cartoons and, and be reminded that it's probably more important to eat a rabbit once a month because then we won't be eating, you know, factory farm chickens right. all the time. I love it. Well, I, I certainly knew, knew that your show was entertaining, but I didn't know the passion and all of this uh, behind it. So this Thanks. makes me even more excited about it. And I know folks can tune into your show. And is there a website folks want to... com. Perfect. Brand new, fantastic. If wine didn't get you drunk, no one would drink it. That's it's my favorite like quote today. <laughs> <laughs> Discover the recipe for a delicious life each week on The Sipping Point with Lori Forster, The Wine Coach. Each week, Saturdays at 12.30 p.m. on WBAL 1090 a.m. or at WBAL.com.